Hello and welcome to the I Am podcast with your hosts Taylor Renfrey and Bella Griffin here to create a conscious community and a safe space for everyone to share our truth and for you to share yours. Thank you for sharing this space with us. Hello and welcome to the I Am podcast. Today we have a very special guest and um, she is on today to just share her truth with us and um, yeah, we're just going to flow and kind of navigate these waters that we're all just floating. (laughs) So welcome, Keisha. Thank you. Thanks for having me, ladies. (laughs) So you do just want to tell us a little bit about yourself and um, who you are and what you do? Yeah. So uh, my name is Keisha, as these beautiful ladies already stated. Um, So my name is Keisha. And the work I do is um, holistically based in sex and sex education and um, just sexuality, sex liberation. But I guess my official title is, um, I don't know, I guess you can call me a sex coach, sex expert, loveologist, I don't know, relationship coach, whatever you want to, I guess, call me, whatever makes the most sense. But what I do really is just like, I, I really just say that it's like sex education, but for adults, like on a very real and very raw level and kind of just taking the sex education that we had or maybe lack of sex education that we had, um, you know, growing up and kind of transforming it and rewriting it to, you know, fit our life and fit like what we're seeking and um just happiness overall but um but um like I said like I guess like my work is like I'm a sex coach and I recently took the step to become a birth doula um which is a a non-medical personnel in the birthing on the birthing team basically so um it's somebody that is really just focused on the physical and emotional well-being of the mom and the baby overall but um it's really just based on like in history like a real where it originated from was before western medicine existed and women had to find ways to manage pain um, you know, in other ways in, in childbirth. And oftentimes there was a team of women or a group of women who have either had the, have already been through the childbirth experience or maybe haven't, um, but they're working with the mom to, um, to just make sure that she's healthy also. So a lot of times in the birthing room, the the OB and their, you know, the doctor, the nurse, their priority is the baby, which is great. But then a lot of times, you know, we just forget that childbirth is a very, just, traumatic and stressful experience and it is a trauma and you know your body goes through a trauma also so um, my job is kind of just to be there for the mom and you know the dad also just to kind of walk them through you know the process just to make it more beautiful for them so that's just kind of a little bit of you know background on a doula but um but yeah that's that's what I do you know um I am uh, I guess plant-based is the term that I like to go with, but vegan, I guess, is what most people know me as, the vegan vagina. Um, but um, yeah, I do. It's really just like a, a lifestyle, a health-based lifestyle for me. I didn't do it because I love animals so much that I hated to know that they were being murdered for us to eat. I did it because I, my family has a history of um, of like stroke and heart disease and things like that. So it just kind of evolved from like a mindful living perspective and um 
and so yeah so that's that's what I am and that's kind of how I or what I do and who I am and kind of how I got here <laughs> I think you're amazing yes thank you for sharing that of course <laughs> like so beautifully and like I want to become a doula and yeah. just oh my god you really should it's such yeah a i like plan on uh becoming one but like the way that you just explained that is just absolutely it's just true it's just beautiful and to like the beginning of time like women and men need that support and i think it's about yeah. like focusing like on the woman during that just that you're so in like the sex and the sex work like like teaching people about it and their sexuality is such an important topic that shouldn't be taboo and I just think it's amazing that you absolutely. yeah absolutely and I think human touch is something that will even with the coronavirus it's a part of it's a part of being human you know that, part, oh, yeah. that connection will never dissolve or go away or that need for somebody there to support you in those those times I don't feel will ever dissolve because it's this so is hard. really random and kind of crazy don't judge me I've been binge watching scandal don't judge me but if you guys know scandal you know about the hole in b613 and how they toss them in the hole and like quarantine them and like they're by themselves and even if you think about I guess I should be more specific to and more relevant to our conversation if you think about um, going to jail and going like being imprisoned and mass incarceration and being there for years and being you know potentially being thrown in solitary or I guess depending on whatever crime you're charged for um, you know the level of it being isolated to yourself and how what that does to your mental and you're right and I think that we are definitely realizing that in during this time in like quarantine our are not will are unwillfully being quarantined mm -hmm. and you know we're realizing how important it is to be able to touch somebody or just interact with someone like whether and I mean, like, we can have a facetime conversation but that's just so impersonal and i think that we're definitely realizing the importance of it and what that does to our emotional and mental health yeah absolutely we absolutely need it and i feel like some people are going to try to like end touch or maybe won't be comfortable touching others. But at the same time, I feel like there's also a lot of people who understand like the need for human touching. Like definitely. There has just been like, it was the Corona, but now I feel like there's an underlying like fire in all of us, like this passion of like fighting for equality and fighting for, um, lovingly fighting for what just morals and what's right. And, um, I, I think that this, I just had this thought that I think that it like you know how people say everything happens for a reason whatever but I think that like this the series of events has is like I don't think that we would have the importance of this like the passion behind mm -hmm. the this like I am I'm committed to it's like to me I'm like Black Lives Matter movement is like that's great Black Lives Matter is a great hashtag but like to me I'm like it's a civil rights movement at this point like it's bigger than just a hashtag like much much bigger than that like it's a civil rights movement so um, I feel like this civil rights movement wouldn't have been so important and definitely so many people wouldn't have even like been so passionate the way that they are black white green and purple like all of colors in between if we didn't have the opportunity to like hit the pause button and so many people were mm -hmm. didn't have distractions you know what i mean like now there's like there's nothing else to distract you like you can't go to the bar with your friends and for and just like deny that things are happening like you have to pay attention at this point and so like i think that like i said like everything happens for a reason and 
I like, I think like the fire, like you said, it's just like, we just, it's just, it's like, we're just been poking the bear and now it's like, (laughs) and what's happening in our macrocosm is also happening in our microcosm, you know, what's happening like internally. So we're having this time to really sit with ourselves and sit with our shadows and with our darkness and um, vice versa with, you know, our external and how that's showing up and the darkness is rising, but so is the light and there's that, you know, that balance. I love that. You said that beautifully. I completely agree. Exactly. I completely agree. We're facing the shadow, like, right now. Mm-hmm. Like, light and we're really facing the shadow right now, but we need to. And um, I do think we are going to make change. I hate saying, like, I, like, I think we're going to make change. Like, no, we are going to make change. Like, mm-hmm. things are changing. Like, our generation, the generation, like, under us, like, like, my, I have little siblings and I'm just, like, I look at like, them and I'm just like they're so they've had so much more access to information mm-hmm. than we had because like of social like I really feel like social media and like the internet can be a positive thing even though they're trying to like censor it and I've been noticing like more censors on like my like when I view people's stories or it'll be like a warning and then be like sensitive information it's not weird how that happened and I'm like wait a second what about people's first amendment rights yeah I'm like how are you going to tell me that information is false like how, how what's your standard or your guidelines for being false information yeah so i did know, notice that recently yeah. on instagram yes it's very weird mm. just, it makes me feel odd like that is my like right right like mm. not be censored i don't know mm. interesting weird, weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah but i was listening to a woman named um Moran uh, Williamson, and she was talking, I was listening to her podcast today, and she makes a point that I really wanted to address in this podcast, which was, um, she says that the biggest principle for personal transformation is addressing our own character defects. And she talks about how America's original character defect is racism, and how it all goes back to sitting with yourself and knowing that it's okay, but sitting in it and being like, okay, I need to address this and I need to go back and see where this is originating and where I started this belief or this idea or this way of thinking or even when it comes into like diets or things like that, I feel like it can be related to a lot of um, different things. But um, It's so crazy because um, like, I think, I mean, I, I haven't heard anybody say it recently and I would literally quite honestly bite their head off if they did. But um, I mean, I know that people used to say or probably still feel if we just stopped talking about racism, then it would go away. And it's just like, no, like, look exactly like if we don't address the issue, if we just keep pretending like it's not happening. It's going to keep happening. So I'm like, we, we can't just talk about the fact, you know what I mean? Like we just can't just not talk about it. We have to address it in order to grow from it. Exactly. In order to, you, we have to like acknowledge that it exists and acknowledge what, and identify what role we play in it. Like no matter, no matter if it's good or bad, like it doesn't matter. Like, and I know people are like, they get really offended because, and I understand why somebody would get offended, a, a non-person of color would get offended for thinking that somebody's like, just because they don't speak up doesn't mean that I'm not XYZ or just doesn't mean that I believe XYZ. And it's like, it's not about that, but it's just like, 
it's going to be much better perceived as if, if it's coming from you unwarranted from, to, from peer to peer than it's coming than it would from me unwarranted to a non-person of color mm-hmm. unwarranted like they're going to be more willing to listen more open to hear at least even hearing you you know what I mean even if it's warranted or not but because when you get defensive, you automatically shut down and you just want to defend what you believe and defend your, your perspective. And it's just like, even if you're not the most horrible and blatant conservative <laughs> or whatever, you know what I mean? And it's just like, it's not about that. It's just like, I just want to know like where you're, where you stand. And it's like, I don't even need to know, but like, if you stand for something, if you really want to claim me as your friend, like treat me like your friend, like make me really feel safe. You know what I mean? Like, actually, like, make me, like, don't just say you're holding space for me. Like, actually hold space. You know what I mean? So, I feel like I just, like, talked in, like, circles, but. No, absolutely. <laughs> and I think that that's important is that we sit with that feeling of why don't we want to talk about this? Like, why don't some people not want to speak up? Like, why is it just so conditioned for us to just sweep it under the rug and walk right over it. You know what I mean? So I feel like that's what we're talking about is sitting with that and asking yourself, why, why don't I want to speak up about it? Who am I scared? That's going to hear it or see my opinion or, you know, and that's the thing. I think people live so like comfortably if they have blinders on multiple things, but it, if you like it, it would be the same as if like okay maybe it's a non-person of color and they have a non-person of color friend and something happened and they stick up for that friend like with someone else and then if someone brings up like racism and they feel uncomfortable like saying something so they don't you're literally not sticking up for your friend so in mm-hmm. that aspect that's a micro way of being racist and Absolutely. People, you have to like own that and you have to like accept that wow that's really deeply rooted like i have some work to do and that's okay but like you said if you don't see it if you don't like face it and take accountability you'll never move forward because you're going to be like wait what am i changing for it's like it's literally like we all know this example like riding a bike you got to fall off at least once or twice and it's gonna hurt yeah but you have to it's you know what i mean and like and the work is uncomfortable no matter what work you're doing no matter what you're working through like but acknowledging things that are uncomfortable it hurts and it's weird but like, and this topic specifically, like it makes us all uncomfortable. Like, let's just like put it out on the table. Like, and like, even though like it wasn't you, I know like you didn't physically, like it wasn't you, Taylor, who had my, my ancestors out there. Like, and I, and like, but you still may feel guilty and like, and, but, but that's okay. You know what I mean? And like, and I still may feel uncomfortable, but that's okay. But like, as long as you and I can like show each other respect and we can ex- realize that we coexist together and like you can respect me i can respect you then we can work through it together i'm happy to be an ally you know what i mean but like don't make me feel like just because like i'm trying for once to love myself when the when all of my life and for my my mom's life my dad's life my grandparents life like my great grandparents life we've been conditioned to think that we are literally the worst thing walking the earth. And so like, don't make me feel bad for trying to love myself yes. or to make me feel like I'm a racist because I love myself for once. I'm just trying to celebrate my existence and the existence of people who look like me and celebrate our existence and fight for equality. Like that's simply, that's it. I think that 
we have to take responsibility that like maybe like we didn't like you said like physically do something we have to take the responsibility of our ancestors and we have the responsibility to make the world a better place and do better than what our ancestors did and we, we like that will happen to the end of time every generation is going to have to keep doing better and like, keep changing and holding space and listening and understanding like okay like maybe we've held too much space for too long and during like this right now in this generation like we need to hold space for like our black community and show them like this is not the world is not what it used to be and we will like stand by them and we will like be one and we will move forward because we just we can't keep living like this like it breaks my heart and that's like and i understand my privilege like i can't even begin to imagine i will never know but like i have just like I have such a fire in me to like just keep going and like change just change the world and yeah. just like honestly hold space for you and like stand by you for this and like kind of just like really just educating myself and like um I'm like putting like tools in my tool belt for when I have to have these conversations with people because I'm like I'm done like tiptoeing around them like yeah. I'm done like not having them to make people feel uncomfortable I'm done like not addressing it like head on like I don't I honestly I've lost quite a few friends black and white because I'm like and it's not about us being on the same page but it's like it's a, it's like there, there are people where I'm like you really don't get it. And I'm like watching their behaviors and I'm like watching what they're doing. I'm like, you still don't get it. And black and white. And I'm like, and you know what? It's not my job to educate you. So I'm like, I'm just done. So basically I say that all to say like a few weeks ago, like when all this really started, like when the protest started, like I kid you guys not, like I cried like, like at first, like it seemed like it was like all vague, but I swear to God, it was like every day for easily a week and a half. When I just thought about everything and like seeing like good things and bad things, like getting messages from friends and like loved ones, and, like, everything I was just like an emotional wreck the first like week or two weeks but and I reached out to my mom and I sent her something um and it was like the it was like a, an article from like times and it was like 1990s or 19 I think it was like 1990s and it was scratched out and then it said 2000 scratched out 2020 whatever and and I asked her and I was like basically like we were asking like or we were talking about do you think things are going to change like what do you when and when and how and what do you think is going to be it and she's like honestly I don't even know and at first I was like I, and it's easy to get defeated and it, especially when it keeps happening and then it's just like there's a fire and then it just like it dies out again and then like it happens again and then like and the next video is even more horrifying and then but then like it just people just lose interest and like other things happen and then like our media does like things happen and we get distracted and whatever but this time now that was like probably like a month ago now i feel like and especially taylor you just verified how i feel i'm like it's just like the floodgates are open like once you once you once you know it's like it's like eating, what is it, like the Lay's? Like, well, you can't just have just one at this point. Like, once you know about it, like, you can't unknow about it. And especially if you're moved and, like, if you have a soul, like, you're gonna, and if, if it keeps happening, like, and, like, I thank God for media. I thank God for social media right now. And, like, I don't even, like, I wouldn't even, like, really say I'm a religious person anymore, really. But, like, I'm just, like, so thankful because, like, this shit has been happening. Like the first time this happened was in 1955. Like I just like, 
I do, I just like give you a, like a little bit of history, but like in 1955, Emmett Till was lynched publicly, like literally people like sent out invitations and invited their fucking grandparents because a white lady said that he made her feel uncomfortable because that was it. She, he looked at her and he made her feel uncomfortable, like didn't touch her, didn't make a threat, like didn't anything, but her husband decided he was going to make him pay for it. And that was in 1955. And now here we are in 2020 and like the same thing's happening. The only thing that's changed is that we have social media for, for everybody to see, not just the people in this little itty bitty town. And back then it was okay, it was publicly acceptable. Now it's not, but it's, eas it's easily digestible now because cops do it and we think that that's, it's okay because they're just doing their jobs, which is a whole nother story. Like it's, <laughs> but like they, it's really hard to like, talk about the topic without like talking about the history because yeah nothing's really changed it's just been like repackaged and transformed to make it yeah. more digestible for Not, the time but that's really it absolutely I agree with that 100% I think that since the slavery days you know after we um the emancipation you know after all that was passed and slaves you know got their freedom and didn't have to um uh, when I was listening to this podcast today she made the point of the they never got their heads, the slaves that were released never got uh, anything, any land, any head start on what the whites had, you know what I mean? So they're kind of already in this position of lower than what we were at. And uh, she made this point of there's always been a gap since then. And the gap has just continued to follow us. You know, it's like now I feel like we're finally getting to a point of, okay, it's time for the gap to close and for us to come together and treat each other with love and respect and but we thought that gap would close in the in the 90s when they mm -hmm. uh when they put in affirmative action you know what i mean but like in you're right though like th that happened and there was no any because like i mean if you think about after the holocaust the jews got their version of reparations but black people didn't get it, or maybe it wasn't immediately after i don't think but like jewish people definitely got like families got money mm -hmm. but blacks have literally got nothing but like not only did we when we were freed quote i say freed because we really weren't freed and yeah. <laughs> you know what i mean yeah. but we were the slavery ended in uh, 1965 and um i have some notes here uh but then after that but the 13th amendment which is a really good documentary i highly recommend 13th it's on netflix it's like it does a really good job of like telling the story from start to finish but um, when slavery, well, first the constitution passed in like the 17, late 1700 something. And then slavery was illegal, but unless they were a uh, criminal convicted of a crime. So we were freed. And then, so when we were trying to like make money by selling goods on the street, like selling crops that we had sold, then now we're illegal or now we're committing, uh, or we're violating like we're now loitering and vagrancy, which is basically being homeless and having somewhere to live because what money do we have to buy a place to live? Now these are crimes. So now they, they go into, and I, I had never heard this term until this documentary actually 13th, convict leasing is like immediately after slavery ended, convict leasing was legal. So if you were caught loitering, selling your crops that you sold that or your own products, selling them so that you could make money for your family, you could get arrested for that. And then shortly after that, Jim Crow laws were put in place. And if you broke any of these laws or God, if you did anything literally that was considered that somebody, a non-person of color didn't like, you could still be, still get arrested. 
And so not only was there like a financial gap, but we've literally, so slavery really has never ended. It's never just ended. like, yeah. no. you know what I mean? And like, um, there's just so many things. Oh my God, you guys, I just like, I'm like, I tried to like, I get so passionate about it. And I like talk to my family, my friends, and I'm like, ah, and I'm like, and how dare they call us angry? <laughs> yes, I love it. I love it. If you have the passion to speak it, like, I think that's amazing that you speak your truth. And I think that's completely right. Like, I feel like when the Holocaust ended, like, the Jews, like, when they were freed, they were, like, really taken in and, like, like oh, what happened? Everybody felt bad for them. them. And, like, yeah. I feel like when, I don't even like saying free, like, when slavery ended, I guess, um, which it never really did, there was still segregation to the point where like the first little black girl that went to elementary school at a white school had to be escorted like by by police because and grown men grown men and that was accepted and photographed and put in the paper and to this day we see on social media um like you said thank god for social media like we see this stuff still happening to this day and we continue to see it happen. So, like, let, we we have to make change because, like you said, it never really ended. And I hate when people try to use that point, like, oh, it's like so much better these days. And I'm like, is it for who? Right? I'm like, yeah, yeah. Racism is a disease. It really, it really is. And you have to like, no matter how advanced you think you are, you always have to like stop, check in, like, do the work continue to read, continue to educate, continue to like, just always, because we, I feel like we always have to learn. Yeah, definitely. I mean, like, there's, there's a lot of work to be done for everybody, mm -hmm. honestly, like, and I have, in this moment, like, in this time, I've definitely had to do a lot of check-ins with myself, and like, I mean, I grew up as very, and I'm, like, grateful for all of it, but I grew up as very privileged as a person of color, like, in all things considered, like, I'm not saying that, like, my family has, like, you know, Bill Gates money or anything like that, like your Donald Trump money or whatever the hell, you know what I mean? But like all things considered, like, but my, all things considered, I definitely had a childhood that a lot of black families didn't have. And my, but my parents didn't have that life and they worked very hard to make sure that my brother and I didn't have to experience or live in areas where we would be subject to the type of treatment that other other black kids had to and so I I definitely have had to do a lot of work for with myself because I know that my parents definitely taught us what they felt like they needed to but I also feel like all parents want to shelter their kids and like kind of protect their kids from a lot of things so I feel like there are a lot of things that my parents definitely could have informed me of or probably could have made me more aware of but at the same time like I know that they just wanted to protect me and they probably didn't think they would still have to be having these conversations. Cause I know I was, I talked to my grandpa, I, we text a lot, but I talked to him on the phone just to kind of prepare for this, uh, for this call. Because I mean, my grandpa was like, he's, I don't know, shit. He's like in his late seventies. You know what I mean? So like my grandpa's been through it, like it all. And like, I wanted to get his perspective on it and kind of see like what he felt. And it's like, I mean, I know for a fact when he was fighting for 
what they were fighting for in that time, they did not, they were doing it so that we didn't have to. Mm -hmm. And they probably, and like my great grandparents and great, great grandparents are probably rolling over in their graves, like disgusted. And like thinking about the things that we're still going through, that we're still fighting for our quote unquote freedom, just equality. Um, goodness, there's just like, and my, my grandpa, he still works too. And he works and like, he, he's a truck driver. So like he goes and like picks up his load and like, he does like day trips. Now he's still like going for like days at a time. Now he just like does little day trips and like goes back home, whatever. And even he said that like recently, he said it just like happened overnight, but some of his white coworkers are just started to treat him differently, look at him differently, blah, blah, blah. And he said the other day, he had to say something to a guy. He was like, what did I do to you? And the guy said, nothing. He's like, you didn't do anything to me. And like my grandpa was like, all right, well, don't make me act like it's I'm back in 1967. <laughs> and he was like, I, he's like, I show up. He was like, I'm nice. I do my job. I don't give anybody any trouble. He was like, so don't. He was like, so please. He was like, don't cause trouble for either one of us. He's like, I'm just here to do my job. I'm like, damn. I'm like, this is crazy. It's literally crazy. I'm like, and I know, I get it. And like, I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't get that at all. Like, I like, don't what the and why all like why all this you're presented with the fact that racism is a problem and now you're gonna act more racist. How does that right? Yeah, now you're just gonna let it all out. You're not even gonna yeah, try right? to change or like try to even try even harder to hide it. It's oh, just yeah. it's it's disgusting. Like it's really suffer for how long doing the same thing for how long like yeah all, as far as I mean all my life I'm 28 he's he's done it all my life he's yeah. a pastor so on Sundays he preaches and then during the week that's what he does and that's what he does all my life all, all my life at least and I'm sure before he met my grandma probably too <laughs> so yeah so I don't know there's just like there's just so many things to be said but like overall like I think the most important thing that I want to just like, if I could, if I could just put my two cents in anywhere and like, I'm like putting it in like really everywhere, any conversation I can. But like, I mean, like, I love that we're fighting for police brutality because I mean, when police became like police, policing was only policing because they needed to police the, the free black people. That's really what it was. and when like in like the the race riots in LA when all of that happened like blacks were being policed to not be able to leave the city the highways were specifically built I don't want to say specifically built but it definitely allowed them to keep you know kind of like segregate them it was like legal segregation basically it was just like I mean I don't know if you guys are familiar with the term of redlining but it was like Redlining is when they basically like highlight what neighborhoods are like desirable and like where, and so basically like when you're white and you're looking to buy a house or you're looking to move into a new neighborhood, you can, your uh, real estate agent or your bank loan officer or whatever can say, oh no, that's not desirable, but whatever. So now the highways are built and now if you move outside of the city, everywhere is desirable. Just don't go inside the city you know, and like, you just, so it was easier for them to kind of police and keep them legally segregated that way. So, um, I think like what I, what, like I was saying, like what I want to add, or like, if I could just stand for anything is just like, yeah, we're fighting police reform and that's awesome. But 
really, really, I just need everybody to really pay attention to the bigger picture. Like police brutality and like the, the issue with our policing system is like, it's like, it's trickle down. It's all trickle down from the bigger system. And like, there's, there's, uh, I hate to just, just keep saying racism, 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 but I'm like, that's just like, our country is like deeply rooted in racism. And so all of our systems are because when slavery ended, they lost 4 million bodies of free labor. So they had to do something in order to save the economy. So now we have the prison system and less than a hundred years later, we have mass incarceration and these prisoners do jobs and these prisoners make things. And like, I mean, it's so crazy. I recently had a friend uh, from high school, first boy ever kissed. He recently got out of jail. Dumbass was, he never graduated from high school and never went to college. I hope to God he doesn't see this. My mom probably will listen to it. I hope his mom doesn't, whatever. It's nobody will know that I'm specifically <laughs> talking about him and he won't care but he called me like the last like two months of he while he was in he spent two years in jail for selling heroin which is a felony mm -hmm. um anything to just intent to intent to distribute as a felony but that class of drug is a felony also so he spent two years in federal prison he called me like the past like two three months he was in there and it was like the beginning of this year so right around quarantine so i was like oh that's fine like i'm home i don't have anything to do he'd call me like the same time every day and we would talk and he would be like Cam, he's like i messed up he was like i should have listened to you all this time he was like you always tried to like keep me on track him and my brother were really good friends and i never want anything to do with him because he was like he always wanted to be like in the into trouble and i'm like but recently i had the conversation with him i'm like jared where did you get that from like we, you weren't raised like that at all. I'm like, where did you get that behavior from? What made you think that was okay? And he was like, honestly, I just wanted to fit in really. But he also was telling me like he would go to, he would work an hour a day every day and make 25 cents an hour, 25 cents an hour. But they, but our prison systems put out like, or um, are like their outsourced labor to a lot of companies and a lot of products that we buy. So that's how they, you know, put, make money and like put things on the on the shelves and like they literally pay them nothing and men will get out of prison with like forty dollars and they're and a felony charge and now they're supposed to go find a job somebody's supposed to trust that they're you know not gonna do anything illegal because we know a lot of these men are convicted illegally or uh, convicted um and they're can they're innocent and they're convicted of crimes or they're convicted of something that like something stupid and it's like a it, stupid long sentence and you know so there's just a lot of things that go against go what that are working against these men that get out of prison individuals that get out of prison and then they have like literally nothing they're supposed to find a place to live and and even in some country or some states um our public defenders which most states are free some states though they have to pay for that mm -hmm. um and a lot of times the reason why we know like over 90 percent of inmates take plea bargains is because they have um poor advice by their by their uh, by their lawyer their public defender who's taking a government check of course he's gonna do what's best for him more people he puts in jail the more money he gets in his bank account why wouldn't he so these men plea out and they are these individuals i keep hate saying men but these individuals plead out and they are convicted felons even though they probably didn't commit the crime, but they just simply don't have the money to fight it, pay for a lawyer, or even pay their public defender, whatever. So it's just like, it's a system. And so that's basically like, it's definitely a cycle. And you know, it starts, 
I don't even know where it really starts because then I can go back to like education and, you know, or just like the environment that you live in and the opportunities that you may have in that environment um, or maybe like jobs that just pay minimum wage um, and maybe not even enough for healthcare. And so what, you may like sell some drugs on the side or maybe not, maybe you're not even doing anything illegal, but cops just think that you look like somebody who does something illegal. So they pick you up and accuse you of it anyways. You don't have the money to fight it. So what do you do? You just, you do what you can. Yeah. And so then families were torn apart and then just, so it's a cycle. It's definitely just a cycle. It's the whole system. Like, I know, like, the saying, like, fuck the system, but, like, seriously, fuck the system. Like, it's the the entire system needs to, like, come down and be rebuilt because it is just, it's in education, it's in the prison system, it's definitely in, like, police or or law enforcement, I guess you can say. Honestly, I think that's I think it's just like I think overall maybe criminal justice system. Yes, criminal justice system. Yeah, exactly. Um, food system, healthcare system, everything mm-hmm. together is just so unequal when you look at everything. It's like, okay, if everything's unequal, then you clearly have a problem. And oh yeah, a problem, and it needs to change. Absolutely. I can't even tell you guys like as a black woman in corporate America. For instance, like these are my experiences. I mean, like, and I definitely, I mean, I grew up in, mostly I lived in the suburbs for the most part. I grew up in areas where I was, I, there are very few times where there were multiple people who looked like me in my neighborhoods and my schools. And if there was, like, if there was more than one person of color, they probably didn't have the life that I had. So they lived in impoverished neighborhoods and they, their parents, um, you know, were, low to middle class and I like I even remember having conversations with kids like now like friends that I have now and they'll say like absolutely like there were times when I felt like I felt lightheaded or felt sick because I hadn't eaten enough because I the only meals that I had were the meals that I got at school or free lunch from school and like they would go on the weekends they maybe would get one meal on the weekends or one meal a day on the weekends or something like that and so but then they go to school and they're like acting out because they don't, they're not getting attention at home and they're, they simply don't have food. They're just, they're hangry, literally they're hangry. And, but nobody wants to identify the fact that this kid is quote unquote hangry. When a black kid is hangry, he's a problem. He's a tyrant. He's a nuisance. He's a, he's a thug, whatever. But when a white kid is hangry because he hasn't eaten enough, it's like, Oh, how can we help him? What's going on? Like, there's gotta be a bigger issue. And it's like, but we know, and especially, I'm like there people are very educated I'm like we know what it does like mental health we know how mental health works and there are very educated white people in mental health who want to sit around and act like black people are still criminals and they're still like it's their fault and they're still you know whatever and I'm like if you are a medical professional like stop it it's time for you to stop it it's like stop pointing the finger stop playing ignorant educate your friends and like let's talk about the real problem here like, there's so many reasons why people of color in poor neighborhoods do and act the ways, way that they do. And sometimes it's out of, sometimes out of necessity. It's like, we all know that story of the animal who gets caught in a trap and he'll chew his foot off just to get, just so he can survive. It's just the same thing. It's like doing whatever you have to do to survive. If you're a parent and you have kids, and because we know, like, if we don't have affordable health care, affordable quote-unquote affordable because we all know that's a joke if you don't have affordable health care you probably don't have birth control condoms are expensive people have sex why because we're sexual beings that's just how we are 
And now kids come from that. And I have kids at home that you have to feed. And you'll do anything for your kids. You don't want to see them starve. You don't want to, and so you'll go hungry or you'll do whatever you need to do to see your, your kids simply just to feed your kids, let alone put clothes on their back to put food in their bellies. So it's like, it's just, it's, it's so, it's just rude. It's just so fucked up for people to say like, oh, well, they're just, they ask for it. They're just products of their environment. They're just, they you know, they don't want anything better. I'm like, that's not true, actually. And we really try really hard to be better and to do better. But, and then, so then I think about like my experience in corporate America as a black woman. And it's just like, there's so many things that like, my parents always used to say, like, you have to be better. You have to do better, be better, do better. And when I entered corporate America in 2015, what all I wanted to do is fit in. I didn't want to like, it was even sometimes I wouldn't even like do makeup or like dress nice because like I didn't want to do anything that was going to draw any extra attention to me. I'm like, I just, I don't want anybody to get it to have any reason to like make me a fucking sideshow. Cause that's how it, sometimes you do feel like that. And especially me. And I'm like me, I talk the way I talk. I'm not ignorant to that. I talk the way I talk. I like to dress up. I like to dress nice. I work hard and like, I like to have nice things. So like, and then they look at me and then they're like, Oh, some most people don't say anything but they look at me and they're like oh you're actually really put together actually really pretty for a black girl and I'm like got it and I so like no matter what I feel like a sideshow male or female and it's just like it's just so much to just internalize and to not feel comfortable to express that and to just hold it in and like the only people that you can talk about it comfortably are also people who have been repressed and have been oppressed and and they hold, and we all, how can we, how can broken people heal broken people? So I don't know. And then of course, mental health is, is a stigma in the black community. So you don't go to see a therapist and tell people your problems. You go to church and you talk to Jesus. And then people are like, okay, then they go crazy. Cause they're like, they're talking to themselves. And then they're like, you know, so it's just like, there's just so many things to be said about the, the system. And it's just like, it's systematic systemic oppression <laughs> or systematic systemic racism i'm like it's all on purpose and it's deeply rooted and intertwined for sure so thank you so much for sharing your truth and sharing all of that i feel seriously I'm very honored to hold space for you while you spoke your truth in those ways and i feel like our system right now is like this pyramid and this all of this is happening because the pyramids being destroyed you know like it's crumbling down and we're being forced to start at this foundation and start rebuilding again in a sturdy foundation with built on love and acceptance and compassion and kindness and equality and what the constitution was supposed to be about and what those words are still being held true in our hearts you know regardless of how they got misinterpreted along with them and I'm yeah. just really honored to hold this space for all of us to have this conversation and I feel like our viewers and our listeners will be able to take a lot and learn a lot from this so I feel very humbled to be able to hold space so thank you thank you thank you so much for having me yes so grateful and like mm -hmm. I, when you were just saying it, we felt like we had to like turn it down or like not wear makeup or not like a like I just like I'm like oh she deserves to take up space like she deserves to take up all the space that she has her needs and like I like I feel like you are like you are living in your truth and you are like 
you really, really are. Like Bella said, I feel honored to have this conversation with you. I told this and that, like, I like, I know I didn't know you before, but I'm just so grateful that our paths like came together. So thank you everyone for tuning in to our episode. Um, We hope that you were able to take what you needed from this and gain a deeper perspective or understanding in any way. Um, But we're sending you all so much love and thanks for tuning in. This is the I Am Podcast. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the I Am Podcast. Please head over to Instagram and give our amazing guest a follow at The Vegan Vagina. And don't forget to give us a follow as well at I Am Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in and we'll see you next episode.